This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Hi, I'm Melissa. This is my husband, Owen. He will be revoicing for me throughout this presentation. Unfortunately, my project partner, Katie Seven, is a bit under the weather today. Dr. Clarissa Kripke has graciously offered to co-present with me. The title of the presentation is Who Defines My Quality of Life? Perspectives from, the disabil- from Disability Advocates and Their, fam- and their Family Supporters. We did this project in collaboration with the Office of Developmental Primary Care. The ODPC wants to improve outcomes for people with developmental disabilities. We have nothing to disclose. We completed this project in the spring of 2019 with the support of the following funders, the Stupski Foundation, the With Foundation, and Far far Northern, Golden Gate, and Redwood Coast Regional Centers. Thank you to our project partners, Dr. Clarissa Kipke, Joe Cummins, and Patricia Mejia. First, we will describe our project, and then we'll discuss the themes that emerged, which included communication, assumptions, changes in or loss of function, medical decision-making and advanced care planning, end-of-life conversations, and then we're going to close with a video. By the end of this presentation, we hope you'll have a deeper understanding of the lived experience of disabled people and their families in healthcare settings, the concerns of these people and their families, the variety and definitions of quality of life, best practices needed to engage in effective healthcare discussions with disabled people throughout their lifespan, and be able to recognize disability as one one feature of an intersectional identity. The aims of this project were to learn more about the experience of people with disabilities and their families in accessing the healthcare system and to uncover how these Interactions impact patient care, including goals of care, and and end-of-life conversations. The Office of Developmental Primary Care contracted with Katie and me. As members of the disability community, we could relate to many of the experiences in accessing health care and communicating with providers shared by the participants in the two discussion groups. Our goal was to explore these experiences and develop recommendations for providers. The discussion groups consisted of 14 participants, seven self-advocates, and seven family supporters. With the exception of one mother-daughter pair, there were no connections between the two groups. Each group participated in a facilitated discussion for approximately two hours. The participants represented a diverse range of ages, ethnicities, gender identities, and socioeconomic backgrounds. Various techniques were used to create a safe, disability-friendly environment. 
The, groups were, the, the group for self-advocates was held in a wheelchair-accessible location close to public transportation. We ensured confidentiality, gave participants the option to pass and take breaks as needed, provided paid attendance to assist with accommodations, and offered to revoice for participation for participants with communication disabilities. We'll read quotes from the discussion group participants and then discuss the associated theme. Melissa is going to read the quotes, so please listen carefully and follow along with the text on the slide if needed. Well, I have Participants spoke of their frustration with medical pro- when medical providers directed questions and comments about their health to supporters or family members. Like all patients, those with disabilities want to be heard, believed, and respected. With appropriate accommodations and support, they can make decisions about their health care. Many of the participants in the advocacy group reported that they often attended medical appointments, appointments without support in order to encourage clinicians to communicate with them directly. Now we're going to talk about disability and intersecting identities. Disabled people have many of the same personal goals, hopes, dreams, and fears as their non-disabled peers. Even when these aspirations and fears take different forms, they are still valid aspects of disabled people's lives. Many participants in the advocacy group were proud of their identities as a disabled person. They were fierce activists in their community. Seeing a patient as a whole person does not mean ignoring their disability. It means seeing their disability as one piece of a multifaceted, multifaceted identity.
Participants wanted healthcare providers to know that their lives don't always revolve around their disabilities. They had completely separate interests, joys, and sorrows. People in, in the advocacy group described several negative experiences in medical settings. The next few slides describe these incidents, as well as suggestions for clinicians on how to create a more welcoming environment for disabled patients. Participant experience suggested that negative messages, including disability, can be found everywhere, including in the medical literature and popular culture. Negative ableist messages regarding the perceived life quality of people with disabilities can be found in abundance in, in popular literature, the media, and medical community. When news stories phrases like wheelchair or suffers from a disability, the non-disabled public hears the message that living with a disability or health condition completely sucks. How many movies and TV shows have you all seen where disability is something to be feared and avoided at all costs? One recommendation for clinicians is to refer um, patients to peer-led groups and or websites that promote positive disability identity. Members of both groups cautioned clinicians not to confuse a patient's health status in a hospital setting with their typical baseline, just like non-disabled patients being sick, in pain, or in a new environment might not put patients with disabilities in the happiest or most cooperative frame of mind. These, these circumstances can affect how our bodies function. A suggestion for clinicians is to act ask patients to describe their baseline rather than assuming it is how they currently present. Participants expressed the need to respect privacy and personal boundaries. Participants said, that clinicians should make sure they always have the full consent before moving forward with any procedure or treatment. One patient told us about her daughter smacking the hand of an inpatient physician when he removed her clothes without her consent in order to perform a procedure. Participants said that they wanted clinicians to avoid Basing their treatment options on clinician assumptions about quality of life. We all have different definitions of a good life. A suggestion for clinicians is to ask patients what brings value to their lives. I brought in her communication device, and they were shocked that she could do anything like that. 
they assumed she was a little lump. Given the right support, most people with disabilities can make decisions. Competence to make decisions is not truly binary in the lives of developmentally disabled patients. Consider it more like a spectrum and that you can enhance patients' capacities to participate in decision-making processes. Some recommendations include, in medical setting, decision-making, disabled patients need as much autonomy over their bodies as possible. Disabled patients should be able to choose trusted supporters to help them make medical decisions. And rather than assuming that disabled people cannot make decisions, consider what supports or accommodations can optimize a patient's capacity to participate in decision-making. Believe me, I may not have medical training, but I know a lot about my disability. Don't give up on me. Disabled people and their caregivers ask that medical professionals recognize them as experts in their care and abilities. Group members requested that clinicians trust the information and history they provide and correct errors that may exist in the medical chart. Everyone has unconscious bias, or the idea that our assumptions about people different from us influence how we interact with them, even outside our conscious awareness. Be willing to revise your ideas about what it means to be disabled. About 10 years ago, I became a spinal cord injured. It's common with cerebral palsy, but no one spoke to me about it. I had to relearn things. It was heavy. People with disabilities and their families are used to adapting to new circumstances and know what they can handle. Disabled patients and their supporters may have the capacity to adapt to change, but they don't always know what changes will occur. Other people with similar conditions and their supporters can be an invaluable resource. Group members ask that clinicians be partners with them on this journey so they can help them optimize their health and long-term functioning. Clinicians can help patients by educating them on any disability-specific progressions based on literature and clinical experience. People I see more than once are almost always okay. The problem is the emergency department or people who work in the hospital. They don't know who we are. They only see us for our problems, and that's a real problem. Emergency visits pose unique challenges to disabled patients. The emergency department is hard for everyone, But there are some extra challenges for patients with disabilities. Lack of accommodations, e.g. the the necessary adaptive equipment. Physicians and medical personnel may be unfamiliar with a patient's disability, medical history, baseline, or communication style. Sensory overload due to bright lights and loud noises can impair a disabled person's capacity to communicate. Some disabled people are survivors of medical trauma. Well, there can be tension between expediency in the ER setting and taking time to ensure communication, like contacting the primary care provider. We have some suggestions to mitigate patient stress. Accommodations to consider are reducing wait time, better coordination between departments, and streamlining the discharge.
Participants reported that they, they, they wanted to know their options based on reported that they want to know their options based on neutral, neutral medical advice. Patients want to know that their lives are valued and promote opportunities for disabled people to make decisions about what happens to them during a medical emergency and at the end of their lives. All lives have value and all deaths will be grieved, regardless of one's level of functioning at the time of death. Disabled people reported concerns that, that their wishes would not be followed at the end of their lives. Having, along with disability status, many factors impacted, impacted patients' relationships to death and dying, the death and dying process. For example, religion, family structure, and legacy of access to medical care. Clinicians can discuss these fears with their patients, identify their wishes, and, advo and advocate um, help, and help to ensure that, and advocate to help to ensure that their wishes are followed. Now we're going to play a video. When she had that experience with the mammography and, and I came home and she told me about it, she was, she was upset and, you know, it sounded like an awful experience and not one that anyone would want to have. And that isn't the first time that sort of thing has happened. If you talk with any anyone who has disability, whether it's physical or cognitive or mental health, given enough time you'll hear those kinds of stories. This is not an uncommon problem. It results in healthcare disparities which are quite significant. If people are going to live good, quality, successful lives in the community, even people with very complex disabilities, we're going to need to change how we deliver health care. Hey, Crispy. Where do you want it? Okay. So I also have CP. Our disabilities are kind of opposite. Like, you you want to be you want to be on the ground, and I have trouble getting down to ground level sometimes. You want to be up high, and I want to be up high. Yes. 
how are things going? Pretty good. Pretty good? Yeah? I'm gonna check your blood pressure first and you can tell me what brings you in today. Okay. So let me try starting with the spine. Any pain there? Okay. I think how many hours are you in the chair during the day? Mm -hmm. Okay. I would say that it's a learning process. I did make an assumption that Melissa was basically in her chair all day. And a couple of visits ago, she actually told me, no, I'm not. And I was surprised. And so it's not like I have her walking around in the room or, you know, getting outside of the chair. And so for me, that was a learning moment. It was like, oh, next time I should ask the question, you know, in terms of how you spend your day, how much of it is in the chair versus ambulating. So part of it is just letting go of assumptions and finding out what's really going on. Hi Melissa, my name is Ryan Delgado. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me over here. In your opinion, what is the biggest thing that I should know? Then move that leg in and out. Just very gently. The goal of healthcare is for people to be able to participate, to be well not just free of disease, but to be healthy and to do the things that they want to do. When I'm dreaming about the future, I want people with disabilities and families and supports to have higher expectations for what's going to happen. I'm hopeful that doctors will be allies to us. Well, the office staff will be trained and, <laughs> and not, not sort of see you differently. Not patronize you. The appointments will be long enough that you can get your words out. It may be an atypical system, so the standard rules may not apply. But you still need it to work for you. We can do we can do it all in a better way, in a more efficient way, one that recognizes these human rights that we all have, and yet we're not really seeing fully fulfilled.
the project findings uh, were written up in a white paper that's available on the ODPC website. More slides. Uh, we also made copies of the white paper that this uh, presentation was based on that are available at the Office of Developmental Primary Care table outside. So if you're interested in getting more detail or having some of those quotes to use in your work, uh, it's available for you. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.